Love Talk Radio. Good evening. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to Miner. Great, great show on Change Montgomery County What a better way to start out our show than a little bit of Jackson 5, bringing back the old school. And good evening. My name is Ryan Miner, and you are listening to another episode of A Minor Detail, brought to you by the Change Montgomery County Network at changemoco.org. We are a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization dedicated to empowering people by empowering you. And we focus on a couple different areas of strategic policy, transportation, jobs, infrastructure, and specifically education, and that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the Montgomery County Teacher of the Year, and I've had the, I'm have i going to have the distinct pleasure to interview three of them, the three finalists, and I want to talk a little bit about the three finalists before I introduce them, and I'm going to stagger the interviews throughout the show, and I think it's, it's going to be a great show. We're going to learn about uh, the nominees and their passion for teaching where they teach, and just find out who these great people are that are making a valuable contribution each and every day in our Montgomery County Public Schools. So the three finalists for the 2015-2016 Teacher of the Year are confound, are, can be found in classrooms in Chevy Chase and Gaithersburg and way up there in what we call North County in Damascus. Josephine Luster teaches at the Center Program for the Highly Gifted and Talented at Chevy Chase Elementary School. And we have Jill Raspin. She is a sixth-grade English teacher at Ridgeview Middle School in Gaithersburg. And we have Joseph Gannon, Jr., who teaches social studies at Damascus High School. And tonight I'm going to run through each of their bios, and we're going to, give, we're going to hear, have an opportunity to hear from them and they're going to tell you their narrative and their story, and I'm really excited because they're three fabulous people. Uh, and look, I, I remember every teacher that I've ever had. And I went to school up in Western Maryland in Washington County, and uh, you know, education is a true passion of mine. And I cannot imagine where I would be today without teachers, much like Josephine Luster. Jill Raspin and Joe Gannon. I mean, can you imagine? I, I remember stepping foot way back when in kindergarten in 1989. I, I, and it's, I'm incredulous that I even have to say that. I feel old. I'll be 30 this year, which really is not old. But, I mean, I can remember going into my kindergarten classroom. And my, my kindergarten, I, I remember the first day that I walked in, my mom knew I loved Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She dressed me and all my turtle gear, and I'm sure that my teacher, my kindergarten teacher, got a just a complete joke and crack out of that. But nonetheless, you know, teachers shape who we are. They they shape our education system, 
and they mold us into fine, upstanding citizens. And teachers have such a valuable job in society. And look, we're very proud of Montgomery County Public Schools. They're some of the best schools in the country. Uh, you know, as you know, Kim and I have uh, two kids that attend Montgomery County Public Schools uh, in North Potomac, and we're very proud of their teachers. And we're certainly proud of all the hard work that they put in each and every day. A teacher's job is no joke. I mean, that's they are dedicated around the clock, 24/7, to ensuring that our kids have the best possible education. And I'm excited that I'm going to be able to talk to three of the teachers of the year uh, this week uh, on our show. And I just want to make note, as I'm going to stagger these interviews, I had a pre-recorded interview with Joe Gannon, a teacher at Damascus High School. Unfortunately, he was unable to join the show live this evening, so I had an opportunity to talk to Joe a few days ago. And I'm going to we've uploaded that into our show queue, and we're going to play that. And I'm just patiently waiting for our first teacher to call in. And so here's the process. The finalists for the Montgomery County Public Schools, they were interviewed by a panel of educators, Board of Education members, Montgomery County Public Schools staff and representatives from Montgomery County and from the Montgomery County Council of the Parent Teachers Association, what we know as the PTA. My mom was a very active member of the PTA, which I'm very proud to say. And the Teacher of the Year will be named on April 21st at a ceremony. So I can't wait to see what happens because I know each of these teachers have a special, unique gift, and they're here to share their story. So I'm going to patch in. I'm assuming that Josephine Luster is our first guest. Josephine, welcome to the show. Hi, how are you? Hey, welcome. Thanks for joining us. And I want to say congratulations on such a distinguished honor. I'm I'm very humbled to be talking to someone tonight like yourself. And uh, I, I think that uh, reading over your bio, you have a lot to share tonight. So I was I was looking at some some articles about you. And uh, I mean, you're you seem like you're truly fascinating. So I, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about yourself. And Josephine, welcome to a minor detail. And thank you so much for agreeing to come on, and the floor is yours. Thank you very much. Um, well, I guess I could start by telling you a little bit about um, my background. I grew up in New Jersey, and I um, am a product of public education. Um, I ended up going to the University of Maryland for college. Go Terps. Uh, yes, go Terps, absolutely. And um, for... I got my undergrad degree um, from the University of Maryland um, in elementary education, and then I earned my master's degree in curriculum and instruction from McDaniel College, um, and I've earned a graduate certificate from GW University, and um, I've recently became national board certified as well in the area of literacy. Um, So after I attended uh, the University of Maryland, I uh, started teaching in Prince George's County, and then nine years ago, I came to Montgomery County and started teaching in the Center Program for the Highly Gifted um, at Chevy Chase Elementary. Yeah, so you got involved with teaching early in your career. Now, before you set foot into college or maybe even high school, did you know you always wanted to be a teacher? No, I didn't know. I I had 
so many different ideas about what I wanted to be when I grew up. Um, every time I would find out about a new career, I thought that that's what I wanted to be. I was very interested um, in science. I was interested in social studies, psychology, sociology. Um, I enjoyed English and literature. So there were so many things that I was interested in. Um, but having the opportunity to work at summer camps actually helped me realize how much I enjoy working with kids. So um, uh, when I went to Maryland, I was able, I, I decided to declare my major in education. And the more experience I had working with kids, the more sure I was that that's what I wanted to do. So fourth grade, we, we have a student uh, in actually a Travala Elementary School. That's our oldest, Josh. He's 11, and he's in fifth grade now. And But mm-hmm. he loved fourth grade. Fourth grade, I, I, I think, was probably Josh's favorite. And we have a second second grader, um, and she is eight, who they love school. They love mm-hmm. coming home and sharing homework with us. And they just – they really, really love Montgomery County Public Schools. So tell us a little bit – walk me through a day in the life of your classroom and uh, what is a day in the life of Ms. Luster's classroom? <laughs> well, um, it, I mean, I'm teaching fifth grade, which is a lot of fun. Uh, I think fifth grade is one of the most fun years for elementary school. There's a lot that the kids look forward to. There's a lot of exciting things that happen. Um, but in a typical day, um, and, and really I have to say that no two days are alike in elementary school. <laughs> Everything, even though we have a schedule and even though we have things that are planned, Every day is different, which is one of the things I think I enjoy most about teaching is how you, you really don't have a typical day. Um, but uh, I, I enjoy greeting students at the door in the morning, getting to say hi to them, getting to connect with them, find out how everything's going. Um, I enjoy uh, – I, I teach reading and social studies, so um, we typically have group projects happening. So we'll get the kids going on group projects or we'll meet in our um, novel studies and discuss the books that we've been reading um, in writing. Um, I also teach writing to my homeroom. The kids always have ongoing long-term writing projects. So we'll spend time during the day um, collaborating with their peers to peer edit on their writing pieces, um, working to um, finalize whatever piece they're working on. Right now they're finishing up a narrative poem, which has been a lot of fun to see them progress and, and uh, write those pieces. Um, and I have the opportunity, since our fifth grade is departmentalized, I teach reading and social studies again to the second group of kids in the afternoon. Um, so it's, it's really a fun day. My favorite part is definitely getting to connect with the kids and getting to talk with them and get to know them throughout the day. So you've probably had many classes that have been through your 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 classroom, many students, and I know that I always used to go back from when I was in middle school and high school, I'd always go back and visit my teachers, and I, I still bump into them, and I still bump into my elementary school teachers everywhere I go. And as you probably now have with students that have been through their class, do they keep in touch and come back and say, Ms. Luster, I learned this and that? And Because I would imagine being a teacher, that, that's a real joy. That's such a, an accomplishment, I would feel like, that students who come back and tell you and still communicate with you after they've been through your class. That is absolutely one of my favorite parts of teaching. Um, and I, I've had students keep in touch um, 
probably one of the proudest moments of teaching for me um, happened at the end of last school year. The the first group of kids that I had um, at Chevy Chase Elementary were graduating high school, and I found out that they decided they were going to have a class reunion, a fourth and fifth grade class reunion. (laughs) So everyone who was in the program together got together at the end of high school to reconnect with each other and to talk about where they were going, and a group of them came to visit me at the end of the year and tell me about it and keep in touch, and I got to find out where they were going to college and what everyone was up to. And I've continued so, to stay in touch with some of them, too. Be honest. Were there tears? <laughs> I was just so happy to see them. I, there were just smiles. <laughs> I, but, I'm sure. um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it is a really special thing to keep in touch with kids because you you spend an entire year really getting to know them, and then they do have to move on to another classroom. Yeah. Yeah, I know that my – our our eight year old Paige, um, she she started out with a teacher in kindergarten, and as she progressed, she had her again in first grade, and she keeps saying, "Well, I want to have Mrs. Knight all the way up until college." <laughs> and I said, "Well, sweetheart, unfortunately, we can't make that happen, but you can always go back <laughs> and visit." And Paige still draws um, Mrs. Knight. That's her favorite teacher. She still draws her pictures all the time, and she goes back to her classroom and reports on what is she all the new things that she is learning in Aww. second grade so it's it's so cool to have a great relationship with your teachers and I remember back when I was in elementary school my parents were really involved in the school system and my mom was involved actively involved in the PTA and being a teacher I know that they become like a member of your own family and mm-hmm. you feel like that sometimes like you know these are your kids of your own and they you, you see them for eight hours a day you know everything about them and they become such an important part of your life. They de- yeah, absolutely. I I I feel that way. Um I talk about school constantly. <laughs> <laughs> and um I know that my husband can expect that every time I come home I want to recap everything that happened that day and tell him <laughs> all about the wonderful things the kids have been doing and what we're working on. I want to show him examples and right. so I I I definitely feel that way with making connections to the kids and wanting to stay close with them. So as a teacher, you probably have many defining moments in your career. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what, you know, I know that certain memories stick in your mind as a teacher with a student or an activity, but is there a few defining moments in your career as a teacher that stick in your mind and that you becomes almost an antidote that you can talk about it and uh, just remember for a lifetime. Uh, Well, I think part one of the major ones was what I just spoke about the kids that came back to visit me because when they came to visit, it wasn't just, Hey, you know, we're going to college. They said, you know, here are some of the things that we remember. We're never going to forget. And and other students who've come back to visit and say the same thing. They love, Mm -hmm when we're learning vocabulary and they get a chance to act out the words. Um, They remember we've done a constitutional convention reenactment where they get to act as Mm. the um, different delegates from the states in the constitutional convention. So things that we did way back when they were in class that we continue to do, I, and I, when I hear that come from them, 
that tells me, okay, that definitely worked. I'm glad they remember it and that they learned something from it. So it validates that is so cool. what I've been doing. Yeah. So I got to. So now you brought up a constitutional convention, and <laughs> that just completely piques my interest because I, I, I actually, I'm a student of politics. I was, I majored in politics and political science when I was in college. I went to, um, I went to school in Pittsburgh at Duquesne University, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got to tell you, I mean, I, I love politics, but I also love education policy. So you got to lay out this constitutional convention because I know we have a fifth grader now. His name is Josh. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Josephine, he, he, he loves politics. He reads books. Uh, he read all of Bill O'Reilly's books. And I, wow. I mean, we're very, oh, yeah, we're, we're blessed because we have vociferous readers as kids. And, you know, we throw on a car trip and we give them a book. They're content or we go to, you know, adult things that we do or go and hang out with our friends there we have no problem giving them a book and our our fifth grader he loves 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 politics loves to read about history and past presidents in fact he can name all the past presidents i don't know where he gets this from because my memory sometimes <laughs> falls short he can name all the past presidents in uh, chronological order and by the dates that they served so he would probably love to hear about a constitutional convention so what's that all about how do you reenact that well, it came from the curriculum that was originally written for MCPS, and they sort of moved away from it, but we're learning a lot of the same topics. So I've I've kept that part of learning about the Constitutional Convention. And the students need to understand how Congress works and how the issue of representation is handled in Congress and how it used to be handled. Maybe they so can go down they... and fix Congress. <laughs> after just send, they um <laughs> just send some 11 year olds down to fix after they've Congress. learned about the articles of confederation and how they didn't work <laughs> we talk about what states uh liked that setup what states didn't and then they get to read the different biographies of some of the delegates from each of the original 13 states mm-hmm. um and the students choose who they want to be out of the different students that they or the different delegates that they have to choose from um, and some of them choose someone who doesn't necessarily represent their views. So oh, it makes good. for an interesting debate. Um, so they, they get to find out what that delegate and would have felt at that time, what their um, state would have wanted, how they need to represent their state in a debate, and, and try to get um, try to come to a compromise if that's possible. Um, how many Ben Franklin? <laughs> we only do one. We only do one. So each person gets to pick a different one. So they are hopefully evenly represented. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the debate, they get to vote like Congress would and decide, you know, if they want it to be a um, based on the New Jersey plan or the Virginia plan or if there's going to be a compromise between the two. And every year there's a class that, uh, ends up not being able to come to any kind of decision. And we talk about how difficult it must be for people who work in government to come to a compromise when they're all trying to represent <laughs> their state's views. So it, it, I think it's an interesting lesson in a variety of ways. That is so cool. I mean, I wish I, I wish I had that same sort of format and opportunity because that would definitely have been indicative of my career so far. I, I love talking about politics and especially the constitutional convention that so, so often I think our country forgets about. And it's cool that you can integrate that in with with kids and apply that in a way that they'll always remember. And I can remember I had one teacher uh, back in ninth grade when we learned the specific elements of government and the Supreme Court cases and how each 
individual branch of government works. Um, he taught us. Uh, he, he taught us the. He used Schoolhouse Rock, which I love. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we sung the preamble. We 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 talked about um, the you know how the the branches of government are separated, and it was just so cool. And I would love to come back and watch something like that. And have you ever got it on like video and watched them debate and go back and forth with one another? We haven't done that, but I think that's a really good idea. I, I think using any kind of technology in the classroom is going to engage the kids, and if they know they're being videotaped, that's something that might motivate them even more to make sure that they're representing their side well. Mm-hmm. Right. So it, your passion and your love for teaching, uh, I can already tell it. It's so palpable just as we're having this this conversation. And where did this all develop from? Where did you start to really grow and love what you do? Uh, I think part of it comes from the fact that I love to learn, which I think a lot of teachers do. So I've realized over the years that uh, I am the teacher, but I don't know everything. And I think it's important for the students to know that as well, that we can learn a lot of things from each other. So even though I've taught a lot of the same content over the years, students are constantly asking different questions, things that I never would have thought of before. And I have to say, let's find out. Let's see if we can learn this together. And um, so it's exciting to me that there's always more to learn. There's always more to find out. And I can do that with my students. I don't have to be the source of knowledge. We can find things out together. Do you, uh, do you organize your classroom in a specific way? Do you have them seating in a, in a certain way that is more conducive for learning? Because I know some of my teachers did that. And, and how, do you, how do you interact with uh, some of the kids? Our classroom is arranged so the students are sitting in groups with each other because I'm constantly asking them I'm constantly asking them to talk to a partner or talk to their group, confer with each other before coming up with um, an answer. So everyone has a chance to think before they speak. Um, so I, and I like to have the kids work in groups as much as possible too. So group work seems to work well for the kids that I have now. If that changes, I might consider changing the room arrangement, but it seemed to work pretty well um, for the fifth graders over the last few years. So you know a little bit about the stock market because it says that you run your school stock market club. So I want to know what are the blue chips that I should be investing in? (laughs) Well, we're going to start again this spring in a few weeks, so you should come by and talk to the kids. They end up researching and finding out more than I ever thought possible about the stock market. I learn a lot from them. And one of the things that we focus on is asking the kids what they're interested in, what are the companies that they know, and they'll research that and we'll talk about you know, what might make a stock, one stock more valuable than another, what might, what might drive its price. Um, so that was part of the reason that I wanted to start the club is because I didn't know a whole lot about it and I wanted to find out more about it. So I went to a training just to find out how the software works online and um, every single time um, we meet in our club we're we're finding out more and more about the stock market so it's been a really interesting experience for me too not only are you incubating future congressmen and senators but you're also incubating future wall street tycoons and (laughs) i mean this is just fascinating the the list goes on and on and i think that is so cool and you also um if I read correctly, you help a playwright organize lessons for fifth grade students uh, as part of the artist in residence program. Can you talk a little bit about that? 
Sure. Um, our school has traditionally had an artist in residence program for each grade level, and the fifth grade artist has been a playwright. So in, over the last few years, I've taken over as a site coordinator, and I get to work with a playwright um, who works with our fifth graders to teach them how to write plays. Uh, this past year, the plays were all connected to the American Revolution. So every fifth grade class chose a different topic from the American Revolution and wrote a play about it. Um, they broke up the scenes, wrote the scenes as a class. Um, they developed the characters. They developed the story. And then after the play was written and they received feedback from the playwright, um, we had the kids perform the plays for each other, which was a lot of fun. Okay. So it's it's been really neat to be able to incorporate something like history or um, in years past we've done adventure stories because they were learning how to write adventure stories. So some of the things that we're learning in school, they're able to incorporate into the plays and then actually get to perform the plays. So the process of being nominated for Montgomery County Public School Teacher of the Year, I'm assuming that you will go, you're going to be interviewed, um, you or you're already interviewed, and you're just mm -hmm. kind of waiting until... April 21st when you have um, a ceremony, and they they build this program around. It's called the Marion Greenblatt Fund. Am I, am I correct? Yes, that is correct. Okay. So should you win this uh, distinct honor, are you going to use this uh, to to champion a certain cause or an issue for the next year? Well, it's been the whole process has been so flattering. Uh, mm -hmm. I think I think the award itself really represents the hard work and dedication of all teachers. So I'm I'm hoping that it continues to shine a light on the fact that teachers need to be recognized more. And I'm I'm hoping that that's something that I can, um, I guess, represent is that I, I think that education should be a priority and that teachers should be the ones that are voicing their opinions in education and what's happening with education. So um, I, I really think that educators spend so much of their personal time taking homework, um, helping tutor students, um, calling and getting in touch with families at home. So I think that, as a, I guess, the public as a whole needs to see how fitting it is to treat teachers respectfully with dignity to recognize them. So I'm, I'm hoping that it just continues to recognize other educators because there are so many hardworking, dedicated teachers that deserve recognition. So as someone in the community, what, what can we do that can help shine some light on the investment that you're making? I think the main thing is just being appreciative of your child's teachers or of the local schools and, um, Definitely, I, I mean, if, if you have children in school, to just thank the teachers, I, I think that's a big thing. I feel very supported in my school by the administration and by the community, and I know that's not always the case. So I think that um, I think that it's important for communities to just be very thankful and supportive of their schools. Yeah, absolutely. We we love our teachers. We know how important they are to our our life. And can can parents come in and help volunteer? in our public schools is that how how does that work definitely um i they can contact um their the local schools office and find out if there are opportunities for volunteering or contact if they have children in school to contact their teacher there are lots of opportunities um 
some teachers like to have parents come in and help with read aloud or help with projects or help with editing papers or um, help with anything that's happening in the classroom. And um, there, there is a teacher's job is never done, so there's always something that <laughs> that someone can help with. Um, and I know that um, teachers would appreciate the the help as well if it's if it's available. So I want to just a little bit of a lightning round. I want to learn just a couple more minutes just to learn about you. Uh, you're married, but no kids yet. And, uh, no kids yet. Mm-mm. No, <laughs> that's okay. You got plenty of time. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, and so you live in Chevy Chase now. Is that correct? I live in Silver Spring. Okay, Silver Spring. And mm-hmm. ho- what do you like to do? So outside of your classroom, um, what what kind of what kind of fun hobbies and activities do you like to do? Well, I have a French bulldog named Clyde who I absolutely love, and mm-hmm. he is kind of. Well, I guess when I'm home, I want to be playing with it, with him or taking him for a walk. Um, I I do love to read, and I have a mm-hmm. stack of books next to my bed that I am meaning to get to. And every time I have papers to grade, I will look at that stack of papers and say, okay, but this weekend I'm going to get to it. So I'm slowly getting through the books that I've been dying to read. Um, and I, I love to travel, too, visiting family, um, trying to plan different things to visit people, friends and family, or um, so those are some of the things that I do enjoy. Well, that is that is really cool. Um, I like to I, I like to go into D.C. as well. I love to travel. Um, mm-hmm. My better half and I we love to to get over to the Eastern Shore. But like you, I also love to read. And there's about a stat. There, in fact, our, we have a room in our basement that is totally dedicated to uh, books. Except we haven't sorted our books; they're just kind of laying there. There's no really uh-huh. assortment to. So, there, what's your what's what is your favorite genre of books, and what do you like to read? I like well. I originally I used to enjoy realistic fiction a lot, but as I've been teaching social studies, I really like uh, historical fiction a lot right now. Um, and there is, an, I'm going to mention um, a, a a book that or an author that um, kids might be familiar with. His name is Richard Peck, and he mm-hmm. writes a lot about um, the Great Depression, uh, what's things that happened in the Midwest, um, the things that happened around the turn of the century from the 1800s and 1900s. And I'm the more I read of his, the more fascinated I become with what's happening during those eras. Right. Yeah, that's that's cool. I, I, if if I had a day, I would just love to sit down and and read an entire book. And as our schedules sometime preclude us from doing that, uh, we can't. But I, you know, mm-hmm. Mrs. Foster, I, I just want to say thank you for for coming on and talking with us. This was been this is just truly uh, an honor to speak with you. And uh, I really wish you all the best. And um, please let me know how things go. Absolutely. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you talking with me. All right. You bet. Take care. All right. Take care. Wow. What a fascinating interview. So next up, I have Jill Raspin. Jill, thanks for joining the show. Jill, is that you? Okay. I think we may have lost Jill, so I hope that she comes back. Uh, Nonetheless, uh, we can go into uh, Joe Gannon and Jill if you want to call back in, if you're listening, it's 646-716-5971. I have another interview in the queue. Uh, Joe Gannon uh, was not with us tonight, but um, he certainly was a a great talk. And um, 
I just want to say that if you're tuning in now, you're listening to the Change Montgomery County Radio Network. This is a minor detail. My name is Ryan Miner. I'm your host. You can find a little bit more about Change Montgomery County on the web at changemoco.org. And uh, we're going to play uh, – oh, good. We have our next caller, and Jill Raspin. Is that you? This is me. Oh, this is great. Thanks for so much for calling in. And uh, I just want to first say congratulations for this distinct honor. And I'm very excited for you. And you're one of the finalists for Montgomery County Public Schools. And I, so the floor is yours, Jill. Tell us a little bit about yourself and tell us about your love for teaching. Wow. Well, first of all, thank you very much for that. It um, it definitely was a, a shock um, when I found out that I was a finalist, and it's it's been an honor just to go through this process um, of of being a finalist and how much honor is being given to to all three of us. So it's it's been pretty exciting. Um, gosh, what do you want to know about me? My love sure. of teaching. Um, yeah, where you it bet. Came so, from? Well, so let's just start out. Uh, you um, are a sixth grade teacher at Ridgeview uh, Middle School. You teach. English, and I was reading your background, and it's it's really fascinating. You were you are a Peace Corps alumna, so talk a little bit about that, and before we even go into the classroom. Sure, um, you know when I was you know, younger in my younger years, I I knew deep down I wanted to be a teacher, and so well it, it did take me a little while to get there. Um, I tried to fight it because I'm the youngest of three. Um, sisters, and they both are teachers, and my parents are teachers, and I wanted to do something different. Um, So I did fight it off for a little bit, but eventually I came around to understand um, that it was in me, and it was what I was meant to do. And so I taught for a few years, and then, you know, I just sort of had a, a, I guess I had it deep down inside somewhere that I realized that I had had, even though I had moved around a little bit, I lived in Charlotte, North Carolina, and taught there for a little bit. I taught in Philadelphia. Um, I was going to grad school in New York, but I realized I had led a fairly sheltered life, um, mm-hmm. just in terms of the experiences that I had had. Certainly, in terms of you know just living and and trying to survive in a place that was very very different than than what I knew, and so. You know, couple that with, you know, just an adventurous spirit, I decided to try the Peace Corps um, and did a lot of research into it and, and found that it was something that would offer me exactly that, you know, an experience to challenge myself and at the same time, you know, tap into that adventure um, that I enjoy. So I um, was stationed in Samoa in the South Pacific, and I had just wow. gotten my master's in counseling, um, and so I worked there with a um, – a non-governmental organization that um, supported uh, nonviolence in families, and so it was it was an absolutely incredible experience. It was hard, <laughs> you know, that people yeah. hear Samoa and they think beautiful island and uh, you know the tropics, and it was it was beautiful, and and the people there were were so welcoming and wonderful, and at the same time, our cultures probably could not have been more different, um, and so learning to live survive, learning to value the differences, that was hard, but it, it, it certainly has helped shape my outlook and understanding of the world and, and how people work. And so, yeah, it was an incredibly rewarding experience. 
you can use those life experiences, and I imagine that you bring that directly into your classroom. And you teach an English class, and I also read that you also teach uh, educators about uh, technology, specifically Chromebooks, Google Apps for Education, and you're sort of a technology buff. Is, am I reading that correctly? Um, you know what? I think that I have been, again, um, knowing that adventurous spirit that I have and the willingness to to change and to flow and to go with what's best for our kids and to meet them where they are. I've been very lucky to have, um, you know, taken the initiative when it's time. So when the Promethean boards came out, um, you know, years ago, I jumped on learning about them. I was lucky to be in a school that had them, um, you know, in the first round when they came out. And so we learned lots about them. And then I went and I taught teachers about, you know, how to best incorporate them into their classrooms and again, I was lucky last year to be um, at a school where they came in and said, do you want to be part of the pilot? So to pilot the Chromebooks and really try them out in your classrooms. And so there were three of us who, who um, tried them out in our sixth grade English classrooms. And it was an incredible experience to be able to see the impact on both my teaching and the learning of the students and then be able to go out to educators and, and take that out there and really show them because it can be scary, you know, when you get something brand new and you're expected to just run with it. Um, so it was it was rewarding for me to go out and, and try to help teachers, you know, learn how to use them, learn how to ease into it, learn how to to really see the benefits for their students. So, yeah, I, I don't know if I would call myself a technology buff, but <laughs> I can I can see that it is absolutely essential for our 21st century learners. Um and and the the benefits are are incredible. So I, I've just been very lucky to be a part of that. Well, technology is certainly revolutionizing the way that our students are learning, and it's replacing um, some of the old antiquated models of uh, how teachers uh, are teaching. But I, I want to say this: that my teachers, I'm, I'm extraordinarily blessed to have some of the best teachers in the world. But technology will certainly never replace a well-trained teacher in a classroom, but they certainly are a complement to helping teachers with instruction and learning. So do you feel that uh, using technology in your own classroom uh, greatly re- uh, helps our students and prepares them for the 21st century uh, rather than uh, some of the older teaching models? Um, you know what? I think it's it's one of those things that – is the reality of our of our students our 21st century lear- 21st century learners are the experts with technology and so really it is up to us and the best teachers will grab on to something like this and run with it because they know it's best for their students um the amount of i, I would say for me as an english teacher what i've seen the amount I, it's been impactful in a lot of ways with our students but one of the, the, the greatest benefits I've seen is the amount of collaboration, um, right. authentic collaboration that I can see with, with my students. And, um, you know, and again, it's, it's learning how to use the Google apps and, and all of the different things that are out there. But um, it's been incredible to see them collaborating in a way that works for them um, and in a way that they're going to need to use. They're going to be collaborating on projects and, and, and things that they do in the workplace and in, in college. And so, um, that's exciting to see right here in our sixth grade classrooms. And That's right. then as a teacher of writing, I, the, the amount of, of writing just that they're able to do and then the amount of feedback 
and the ease of the feedback that I'm able to give. And then when they apply it, it's so much greater than what I was able to do. You know, I'm not, I'm not a new teacher, so I'm certainly, you know, familiar with those <laughs> antiquated ways. And the, the, the amount of feedback I was able to give even two years ago is so minimal compared to what I can do now. And then when students apply it and use it and become better writers because of it, how can you argue with that? That's right. How can you argue with it? Jill, can you walk me through a day in the life of you, the day in the life of your classroom, your interaction with students, and what you love most about your classroom? Um, well, <laughs> the day in the life of, of me starts very early, which is why I'm up way past my bedtime tonight. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, you know, the, the day in the life in, in my classroom is, um, is, I would say, a sort of um, – a fine balance of, of a little bit of magic, a little bit of science, a little bit of art, um, because I, I think that, um, you know, every day I start, you know, I, I have that, that, that excitement at the beginning of the day. Like, what am I going to get to do today? Mm-hmm. Who am I going to get to to turn something? You know, one little spark, one little something. Who can I get to come in, you know, for some extra help during lunch who I couldn't before? Uh, what book will I recommend to a student who um, who it'll work, it'll be that one, you know, that one that it'll work for. Uh, so I think I sort of start every day with a little bit, you know, and that's what keeps me going and keeps me happy every single day is is um, finding whatever sparks kids and gets them to want to learn. Um, I jump right in with, you know, my first lesson. We use the Chromebooks every single day in our classes. Um, so today the students had been uh, for example, they had been uh, writing a, a speech on a contemporary issue that they had researched over the past couple of weeks, and today they were presenting their speeches to their small group. So they, the, the ones who were presenting had their Chromebooks up, and they were, the other students were watching them and giving them feedback on their, on their presentations. And, and I was, at that point, I was facilitating. I was walking around. I wasn't the center of the classroom, um, which, is, which is great because, you know, I – had given the students the tools then to be the experts at that point. Um, so, so today was actually a, a, a very um, fun day in that way. Um, I spend part of my day, almost every day, um, four days out of the five a week, working with the teachers in my department um, as the English resource teacher. That's another great part of my job is guiding the instruction of other teachers. Right. So um, it's working with other teachers to support them in planning for, you know, critical thinking opportunities and equitable practices to really meet our diverse population. And so, um, you know, that, that's my day. And then I typically, you know, they're grading and, and, you know, providing that feedback for a bit, not as it didn't take, you know, it doesn't take as long as it used to. So that's exciting as well. Um, and then thinking about, you know, talking with my cohort members, what are we going to do tomorrow? How are we going to make this even better? Um, so that's, I would say that's a day in the life. Um, Jill, we, that is, I mean, you sound like a busy person, really busy. I mean, you have so much to do. You have so much on your plate. So we have about one minute, and it, should you win this? And I, I really, I mean, I, I've talked to all three of the finalists for the Teacher of the Year. I mean, this has to, <laughs> if I were on the committee, I, I wouldn't want that responsibility of picking. <laughs> but should you, you win this, is there a certain platform or an element of your teaching career that you want to highlight and use to uh, to help teachers uh, in the next year, uh, and how would you use this platform should you win? Um, you know, I think that that my message and and what I think I can speak very 
well, I don't know if I could speak well on it, but it is important and I am passionate about is empowering the teacher and, and, and finding the joy in what we do and recognizing the importance of it. And I, I sort of alluded to it back at the beginning um, of the interview when I talked about, you know, the honor that I felt over the last few um, weeks after, you know, I found out I was a finalist and really empowering the teacher for every single one of us to be our best every single day um, and, and, and believing in that and, and, you know, and finding the joy in the growth of our students every single day. Um, I think that that would be the message I would want to give um, out there to teachers that you are honored, that we are honored and, and, and that, um, that what we do every single day is important. Well, I'm honored to be speaking with you, and this interview, this this hour has been a total enrichment um, of of my day and a a, a very much welcome uh, opportunity to speak with uh, amazing individuals like yourself. Jill, I cannot thank you enough for joining us this evening, and I hope you keep in touch, and I certainly will follow up, and uh, I look forward to seeing what happens on April 21st. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. Anytime. Thanks, Jill. Take care. Yep. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye-bye. Wow, what an evening so far. I'm going to go right into Joe Gannon's interview. Uh, Joe Gannon uh, is the, one of the third nominee for Montgomery County Teacher of the Year, and he teaches at Damascus High School. With me, I have Joseph Gannon from Damascus High School, a social studies teacher who was one of the three finalists for Montgomery County Public Schools Teacher of the Year. Hey, Joe, thanks for joining us. Your pleasure. I mean, my pleasure, excuse me. <laughs> yeah, you bet. Um, congratulations on this distinct honor. And you were chosen um, as a finalist by Montgomery County Public Schools. And I'm assuming that you were interviewed by, was it a panel of educators, the Board of Education, staff and representatives, and the Council of PTA. Is that correct? That's correct. Uh, that was a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And then... I also read that the Teacher of the Year will be named on April 21st, and I can imagine uh, what a great honor this is, and I know that um, I I've read a lot about you, Joe, and it has been overwhelmingly positive, and it's reminded me of my some very special teachers that I had throughout my experience. I went to public school in Washington County, Maryland, and... Uh, but there are some fantastic teachers in Montgomery County, and it appears that you are one of the best. And um, you were a social studies teacher since 1996, is that correct? Um, actually, I was a social studies teacher starting uh, in January 89, but uh, I've been at DeMathis High School since 1996. Okay. And, that, but, and I read that you first studied to be an attorney, but then you found your calling in education. Well, I shouldn't say I studied to be an attorney. I had got a degree in history first, and I was going to go to law school. And then I did find my, in that year I took off, I uh, changed my mind and decided to become a teacher after going back to uh, my high school and visiting with some of my uh, own teachers and talking to them. And it, it, it really came around that that was probably the best choice for me to make, and I'm glad I did it. Uh, that's great. You went to Walt Whitman High School, is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Um so, yeah, you know, I, I sort of had a uh, a similar pathway when I was in college. I first went to, I went to Duquesne University in Pittsburgh, and um, I studied uh, music education for a year. And then I, found, I, I sort of found out that it wasn't my calling. I, I love teaching, and I love music especially. Um, 
And I just realized that uh, I had a different calling at the time, and instead I switched my major to political science, but I still maintained my passion. I was a substitute teacher in our schools before, um, up in Washington County, and nonetheless, um, it is definitely a passion that uh, many, many people have, and it's great that you share it. Um, and I just want to talk a little bit about your background. Um, you started an economics uh, and AP World History program at Damascus, is that correct? That's correct. Uh, back in, um, I guess, in 98 or 99, um, there really was an economics being taught at the school, and I, I'd like to, uh, I asked if I could teach it as an, elect, uh, as an elective there at the school, and I was given the okay, so I started the program, and it just started to grow, and then in 2002, when the uh, college board came up with the uh, AP World History course and the AP World History exam, uh, I was kind of told that we'd like you to start this program, and so I spent the summer uh, learning about the course and everything, and I've been building the program up ever since. Well, that's great. And as far as economics, I'm studying economics uh, next semester in grad school. I'm an, I'm an MBA student at Mount St. Mary's, and um, I uh, it's definitely one of those topics that I'm going to need a refresher uh, from my college days of econ. So uh, do, you, do you enjoy one over the other, or do you uh, enjoy both in two different ways of, uh, the, of teaching the AP econ and AP world history? Uh, I don't teach AP econ, just economics. But it's, oh, just, uh, okay. Yeah, it's, it's just regular economics. It's uh, what was they have. They both have their different uh, uh, good parts to them. The economics is really neat because I got to create the whole thing myself. I decided what I thought was important for the kids to learn about, and so I could do this big hodgepodge of stuff, and I could draw on my own uh, coursework. I took uh, four classes in economics in college, and it was really enjoyable uh, because you know, like like most people. Uh, I like to create, and uh, if I can create my own coursework and find out what works, and then you know what doesn't work, I change it. Uh, that was really neat. Uh, the AP World was a real challenge because uh, it was a it's a six credit college course, and it de- demands the students to think quite differently than they had had been used to. In most history courses up to that point, there's a lot of memorization. There's you know there's some some writing et cetera, but uh, the conceptual understanding, the habits of mind, and the themes that students have to do with uh, advanced plays in world history, it really is a big jump for them, especially because they've never had any world history before that time. So that was in its own, its own challenge, uh, which, you know, it took a year or two to start figuring out uh, how to break all the information down for the students. But that itself was really joyful because the material itself is phenomenal. There's so much to draw on from. So, I, you know, I love teaching both. I don't teach economics anymore because my AP world has gotten so full. Um, but uh, it it really is a joy to teach both those subjects. Well, two pertinent questions related to those subjects, micro or macro, and what is your favorite uh, point in world history? Okay. Uh, I like macro better than micro, um, (laughs) uh, just because uh, I like the more conceptual stuff. Um, uh, And then as far as my favorite part of world history, um, you know, I've always been partial to the Enlightenment because my degree was in American constitutional history, so that's right around the time period. So when I could apply that to world history, the development that was happening in Europe of uh, this new scientific revolution and everything, I thought I always found that interesting. But um, every time I study uh, or learn something new about a time period, I'm like, wow, that's really cool. I think that's now my new favorite. Um, so it's, it's hard to say, but I think from back in my college days, I go back to the Enlightenment as my favorite time. I'm a Renaissance man myself, so uh, okay, I hear that. I, 
I can definitely appreciate that. So I want to talk about uh, you are also a – are you a coach for the girls' golf team or a sponsor? No, no, I, I, I did that for a couple of years. Um, I coached uh, girls' developmental golf maybe two or three years. Um, I, I coached track at Kennedy for about uh, five years and cross country for six. But the, the thing I coached the most was debate. I coached that for, shoot, maybe 12, 13 years. Wow. So that's one I spent a lot of time on, more than the other uh, ones. You, you organized 14 trips abroad to 16 countries from Spain to Greece to Paris. You must have a love for traveling, Joe. Uh, I do. Uh, it's not like that I've been taking kids to to Peru. I'm sure I can go this whole list of Peru, Australia, New Zealand. Um, I'm actually next year taking students to the Galapagos Islands, and then we're going to Ecuador first. Um, we've been all over Europe, um, and I've been to Africa myself, not with students, but uh, have been there as well. So, yeah, I, I do love traveling, um, and I love taking the students there. And I think it's really kind of neat when um, you provide that opportunity for students to go abroad. Uh, not only do, do they learn about another culture, but uh, it actually helps understand their own culture they come from. It gives you a mirror to look to compare against, to look at and see and say, wow, I didn't realize we had this benefit today in America that other places might not have or vice versa. I think high school is a great point in time for students to appreciate and develop a love for other cultures. When I was in high school, my German teacher, uh, we hosted an exchange student my freshman year in high school, and then I was asked to join the program in which I traveled to Germany uh, over my, I think it was my sophomore going into my junior year of high school during the summer, and I got to see all parts of Germany, and I went with my class, and we had a great opportunity to learn the German culture and practice the language and ingratiate ourselves in the different uh, places all over Germany, and it was just a fantastic opportunity, and that was just definitely a college or a, a high school experience that I will never forget, and I I see that you also teach special education, am I correct? I did. I, I don't now. I have taught okay. it in the past. I did it for I did it for three years, and I did it on and off. I'd, I'd take a class here and there as needed, but uh, I'm not currently teaching special ed. Well, Joe, that must have been a challenging endeavor. Can you talk a little bit about your time teaching special education? Sure. I think in the the big scheme of things that, um, you know, uh, first, all students want to learn. That's a core belief. And a lot of times we think that when a, a student has special needs or disabilities or whatever, we can actually look at our own selves, and we all have our own disabilities uh, in, in a way, the way we learn and our special gifts and learning. So in certain situations, yes, the special needs kid is harder to reach um, for whatever the reason. But uh, there are ways around that. And when the student does learn um, and you can see them grow, it, it actually can give you a lot more joy than the kid who's supposedly gifted and everything comes easy to them. Um, so it's, uh, it's, again, taking a look at where a student is at uh, and then helping him move from that point forward, not expecting a kid to be at a certain level when you get him. It's like, where is he? And then let's move forward. Right. Um, I read a a review site, if you will. Uh, it was called RateMyTeacher.com, and I just want to read to you some of the reviews that you received. And I quote, the best, teacher the best history teacher there is, the best teacher I've ever had so far in high school. I love this man. He is the greatest teacher ever. UVA all the way. Interesting, helpful, funny as heck, great guy, very cool, awesome dude. 
Holds high expectations in class. Tough, but always win. Always willing to lend a hand. Obviously, your your students show great pleasure in having you as a teacher. What do you say to these students who say these very kind things? Uh, well, that's an anonymous site, so I don't know who the kid is that said those things. Uh, <laughs> but uh, um, I I do know that in the classroom, uh, the way I, I deal with all my students is, you know, I, I greet each one at the door when they come in every day. Um, and there's there's some uh, personal reasons I do that, but also professional reasons. And it, it boils down to a, a concept a, a former colleague of mine taught me called reach, touch, and teach. And um, it's uh, you reach out to the kid and you find out who they are. You value them for whatever they are. I mean, I don't agree with all my students and everything they do, but it's who they are. And Okay, I'll go with that. And once I reach out to them and let them know I'm reaching out to literally shaking their hand when they come in my classroom, then I try to touch their heart or their mind in some way, turn them on to learning. And once I get them excited to learn, um, which I think all people are born with this excitement, I think, especially when you go through middle school and the hormones change and the uh, uh, the clicks start to form and then television and all these other things and video games pull at you, you, you tend to lose sight of that because it's easy to do that and it's hard to get down to brass tacks. So once I can touch their heart or, I don't know, turn them back on to learning, then I can start teaching them. And that's what I try to build with them, build a relationship with each student. Um, my, my class is called a sanctuary. Um, and so they come in, they should feel comfortable in the classroom and, and be willing to, you know, push the envelope and be willing to make mistakes. That's probably the, the big thing is I show them I make mistakes and they'll make mistakes and that's okay. And that's when we learn is when we make mistakes. Should you, uh, you, you described your classroom as a sanctuary and every teacher has some unique quirk that they have inside of their classroom. And you have something called the Big Daddy Award. What the heck is that? Uh, back in, you know, you mentioned earlier that you played uh, music. I also played music. I was in the Jazz Ensemble at Maryland for four years. And, um, uh, you know, sometimes when you do solos, uh, some of the guys will call out and say, go on, Big Daddy, you know, and they, they cheer for you as a solo. And so I kind of took that as my nickname. And then from that... Uh, I just felt that anytime a student did something well in class, like say the first test they have, they could kick it to me. I'll just write a note how I, you know, I'm proud of them or whatever, um, and give personal touch to them. And then I make sure that every student gets that uh, Big Daddy Award before the year is out, so that even those students that might only get a C the whole year, but maybe I see them working harder at something. Uh, and I know, like, if I'm in elementary school, I have. You know, say 25 kids, um, it's kind of easy to do that. But I make a point, I have 150, 160 kids a, a semester to make sure every kid gets a note uh, from me. So, you know, they say, hey, at least he, he sees that I've done something good, then I'll try to do better next time. Then, then again, you keep building that relationship up and you keep getting the students to do, all right, you made a mistake, but you got better here, let's keep going. Yeah. Joe, if, if you, should you win this award in April for Montgomery County Public School Teacher of the Year, uh, what do you hope to accomplish that, and what, what do you hope that you can? Well, unfortunately, I have to cut Joe's interview a little short because we are almost out of time on the show. But I, I have the clip, and if you're interested to hear the remainder of Joe's interview, you can reach out to me at Ryan underscore minor at changemoco.org, and I'd be happy to send you that MP3. This was a fantastic show. We had three great people on our, our program tonight who are the finalists for the Montgomery County Teacher of the Year. And I cannot wait to see what happens on April the 21st. Uh, and 
it's going to be such a challenging decision. I couldn't imagine sitting on that committee and having to choose between between just amazing, amazing educators. Folks, this is Change Montgomery County at changemoco.org. My name is Ryan Miner, and I am your host for another episode of Ch- uh, A Minor Detail. Thank you, and have a wonderful evening. Josh's earphones. Can you get them? I need that plug that he has. You know. 
Titty. Damn, cool gentleman. Give up, Titty. 